Praise the Lord. We're going to uh, uh, just get into the Word here tonight. i got plenty of time tonight. <laughs> Amen. Everybody remember where we're at on Wednesday nights. Praise God. We are, we are in 2 Kings <clears throat> chapter number 8. I believe is where our text is, and we're going to be going there tonight. Second Kings, chapter number eight, and uh, to begin with, and then we'll be going. I'm going to read that text, and then we'll be going back a few pages to chapter number four. Okay, but we are uh, we are talking about a great man of God uh, by the name of Elisha in our uh, character studies, our studies of. Um, ministry on Old Testament heroes, some of the great heroes of the Old Testament. And I was trying to think the other day um, when we started this, and I can't remember, I would have to go back to uh, look on my notes. I usually put dates on those, but we started with Noah, if you'll remember, and we, we did Noah, and who else did we do? We did Abraham, and we did Jacob, and... Uh, who else? Uh, well, I did one message on Isaac on a Sunday morning on him getting the bride. Um, we did uh, Joseph. We did several on Joseph. We studied his life a little bit. Um, and uh, gosh, Elijah. I don't know. I just have to go back and look at all of them. But um, it's, been, it's been a while. So um, we're going to do, we're going to got a few more uh, that I have on my heart for Elisha, and then we'll see. We may just go a different direction. Maybe I'm, I don't want to wear everybody out on something, but I just feel like that we've, I've, I've learned a lot from these Bible heroes in the Old Testament. Amen? The Bible says, you know, Paul said that they are examples, that these, uh, these folks in the Old Testament, what happened to them are examples for us, so we can learn from them. All right? 2 Kings chapter 8, verse 4. Our text for this series on Elisha is this. Then the king talked with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, Tell me, please, all the great things Elisha has done. Tell me all the great things Elisha has done. So the king of Israel wanted to know all the great things that were done by uh, the, the great man of God, Elisha. And I can tell you, we found out already that there were a lot of things for Gehazi to talk about concerning the man of God, concerning Elisha and what he had done. A lot of things for him to tell. Um, we have looked at a few of those things that he, um, some of the things that happened in the life of Elisha and some of the things that he had done. And, uh, you know, he was there present uh, when Elijah was uh, caught up into heaven in a chariot of fire and with the horses of fire. He had asked Elijah for a double portion of the spirit that was upon him. He wanted twice as much in his life. He knew what, what the power of God did in the life of Elijah. So Elijah, Elijah said, well... You know, I want, I want, I'm a little bit, you know, uh, 
I'm a little bit pig about this. I want it twice as much as what you've got. And he said, well, you know, if you see me when I go, you can have it. So he got a double portion of the spirit that was upon Elijah, and he performed twice as many miracles as Elijah had performed. Uh, we read about and studied about how that he parted the waters of the Jordan River. He healed some poison soup with a handful of meal. He, uh, last week we, we talked about he made the axe iron head to float and to, to, uh, to swim. He recovered an iron axe head that had been, been uh, lost in the river, caused it to float. I say he caused it. It was God using him. Of course, Elisha himself, the power that was demonstrated was the power of God in his life. But um, he healed the poison waters of Jericho with a cruise, with a new cruise and some salt. And so God used Elisha and his ministry in a lot of great ways. But when you look at the life of Elisha and the ministry of Elisha, we find that God used him and his ministry mainly to bless and to help other people. That was, and I mentioned that that made him pretty much, you know, makes him a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, because each one of the miracles that he performed uh, characterized grace. His ministry, the ministry of Elisha, was a ministry that brought blessing into people's lives and that brought blessing into people's homes. So, you know, where Elijah... The prophet Elijah, you know, he was, he was involved in judgment and different things. And Elijah's ministry was more a type of the law where Elisha comes in and his ministry is more a type of the grace of God. Can you see that? I think when you study those two men side by side, you can see that typology. You have the type of, of law and the type of grace. And so the miracles of Elisha characterized grace and characterized blessing. He was always going about and God was using him to help people and God was using him to do good in people's lives. I mean, the thirsty in his ministry, the thirsty were refreshed, the poor and the needy were provided for, the childless, the childless are made joyful mothers of children. I mean, there are dead, the dead that are raised to life, the brokenhearted are bound, up, the hungry are fed, lepers are cleansed, victory is given over the enemy. So we see all of those different things taking place in the life of Elisha that characterize grace, that characterize blessing, that characterize the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible said that Jesus came and he went about what? Doing good and healing those who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. And so we see that same, that same ministry characterized in the life of Elisha, the ministry of grace and the ministry of blessing. And that's what we want to talk about a little bit tonight, how that God wants to bless your life. Do you believe that tonight? Amen. God wants to bless your life. So if you'll flip back a few pages to the fourth chapter of uh, 2 Kings, we're going to talk about another, um, uh, another one of the miracles that were performed by uh, this great man of God. And again, that's why we refer to him as the, um, 
as the greatest pastor in the Old Testament because as a pastor, as a shepherd, God was using him to bring blessing to people's lives. Don't you think that should be what a pastor does? Amen. In some regard, bring blessing and bring help to people. And so that's what was happening here in this ministry of Elisha. So uh, in 2 Kings chapter 4, we have here the miracle of the widow's oil. The multiplication of the widow's oil. And I'm going I'm to read, it's only seven verses. So I want us to read this tonight from 2 Kings chapter 4 beginning with verse 1. It says this, A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. And notice this, And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, Your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. That's it. And he said, Then he said, Go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So, when, so she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And this is so important. I just want you to pay attention to this verse. When the vessels were full, then she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, There is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. The flow stopped when there wasn't another empty vessel to be filled. That's very important. We'll see that. And then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons live on the rest. Isn't it awesome how God can meet people's needs? Amen. Take care of situations. So we're all familiar pretty much with this particular narrative and this particular story. This woman's husband, the Bible says, was one of the sons of the prophets who was known by Elisha. And uh, this this, this prophet of God, this particular man of God, her husband had died. We don't know what he died from. We don't know uh, if he was sick, if he got killed. We don't know. But we do know that he died and he left his wife in some debt. He left her with some indebtedness that she was unable to pay. She just didn't have the means. She was poor. She wasn't able to pay the creditors that were owed. And so now, because she's not paid the debt, the creditor has come to take her two sons as slaves, to make them slaves. Under the law of Moses, that was allowed. If you didn't pay your debt or couldn't, then this could, this, this could take place. So the creditor has come to take this, this widow's sons in place of what she's owed. They're going to have to work this out for the rest of their lives. And so here she finds herself 
Her husband's gone. She's poor. She's broke. She doesn't have any money. She's in debt. And now she's about ready to lose the only two things, the only thing that she has left of those two sons. And so she finds herself about to lose them. She's in a terrible, terrible situation. And it seems that there's absolutely no way that she can come out of this. There's not a solution here. So what she does is goes to the man of God. Maybe Elisha can help me. And and when when you're studying this and looking at this, I see that, you know, we can see that this is the situation and the plight of a lot of Christians tonight. Many Christians are in bondage to the creditor. Now, when I say that, I'm not necessarily talking about a, a owing, owing money to a creditor. However, that can be the case. But I'm talking about a spiritual creditor that a lot of people are in bondage to tonight. There are people tonight, even within the church, in the body of Christ, Christians that are that are subject to um, uh, that are subject to depression and to poverty and bondage to fear and defeat. And instead of experiencing the joy of the Lord, ex- instead of experiencing prosperity in, in their lives and liberty and victory in their, in their life, they're not enjoying any of those things at all. The situation in the home of this widow is, the, is like it is in a lot of people's lives. The creditor has come and stolen away the blessing of the Lord from their life. Robbed them of their joy and robbed them of their peace and robbed them of their victory. And that is exactly what the enemy wants to do in your life, in my life, in every individual's life that he possibly can. The creditor wants to come and take you into bondage, take your family into bondage, everything that he can. And I want to tell you something tonight. I want you to to get a hold of this, that the situation in the home of this widow woman here was definitely not the will of God. It was not God's will for her to be in that situation, um, for her to lose her sons, for her to be with, with in a place where her needs weren't met. And, and, and you know, it was she was in, in this debt at no fault of her own, but there was no way she could come out of it. So it wasn't the will of God for her to be in that situation. And I want you to know it's not the will of God for you tonight to be in any kind of bondage to any kind of spiritual creditor or to be in debt to the enemy in any way where he can hold you captive in any situation or in any way. Amen. That is not the will of God. But we see that even though it's not the will of God, we see that in a lot of people's lives, don't we? And people accept things sometimes in their lives and say, well, you know, it just, that just must be the will of God for, for my life. Well, everything that happens or everything that comes against you or comes into your life is not necessarily the will of God. There is a creditor out there. There is a devil out there. There is an adversary out there that, that, that threatens to come in and desires to come in and take the blessing of God away from your life. Can I get an Amen. And the Bible says, 3 John, 3 John verse 2 tells us what the will of God is for our life. And 3 John 2 says that, that I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health 
even as your soul prospers. How many are familiar with that verse of Scripture? Amen. Now that's the will of God. He said, I, I, I would above all things. This is John writing to the, to the lady of that church and he said, I wish you above all things. And I believe that's still the will of God for me and the will of God for you tonight. Amen? for us to prosper and be in health as our soul prospers. But the problem is that Satan is always at work to try to do what he can to deprive you of your rightful inheritance that you have in Jesus Christ. The Bible, Jesus himself said uh, about the devil that he is what? He is a thief, right? The devil is not a blesser. Come on, somebody. The devil is not a good guy. He is the thief. And, and Jesus said that it's the thief that comes to kill and to steal and to destroy. So anything that tries to come, he's that creditor that's banging on your door, that's coming to get your joy, that's coming to get your victory, that's coming to get your family, that's coming to get your kids, amen, and take, take you into captivity and everything that you have and to, to, to deprive you and to rob from you and to steal from you your rightful inheritance in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's after your blessing tonight. He's after your health tonight. He's after our families. Amen? He's after our kids. He's after everything that we have to come and to take it from us. But you've got to make up your mind. We've got to make up our mind that we are not going to let the creditor have our stuff. We're not going to let the enemy have have our stuff. Come on, amen. God has blessed us. God's will is to bless us. God's will is to prosper us. God's will is, the, uh, is for those things in our life. Now in that verse of Scripture, you know, John says, uh, John says that I wish above all things or pray above all things that you would prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. When you take that verse apart and look at it, you see that it is the will of God for you to be blessed in every area of life. Isn't that what that says? in every area of life. So first and foremost, number one, God's will is for you as a believer and for every believer to be blessed in our soul and in our spirit. So spiritual prosperity has got to be the number one priority in our life. It is God's will for you as a believer to grow spiritually. God wants every Christian to grow spiritually. Amen. Amen? And you guys are the ones here on Wednesday night and Sunday night and, every, you know, every service and revivals. You're the one, you know, that, that's, that's, good, that's a good way to grow. Come on, somebody. Amen. So it's God's will for you to grow spiritually. Peter said that we're to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's got to be spiritual growth. There has to be spiritual development in our, in our lives. Just as, we, uh, just as we grow and mature and uh, get strong in the physical realm, you know, a, a, a baby that is born, a little baby, uh, if there's not some growth and development, there's something wrong there. There has to be growth. There has to be development. They don't stay in that baby, in that babyhood stage forever. And neither should you or I as a Christian. We're born again as newborn babes in Christ. But then the Bible says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that what? 
that you may grow thereby. And so we're, we're always growing. And you'll never come to a place in, in this walk in your Christian walk, this side of heaven, you'll never come to the place where you don't need to grow anymore. You'll never come to the place where you've, uh, you've reached the apex. You've reached uh, that place of spiritual maturity. You're the spiritual giant. Amen. I know ain't nobody here thinks that. But uh, you know that you don't need to grow anymore. We, as long as we're on this earth, as long as we're in this flesh, we need spiritual growth and development. God wants our soul and our spirit and our inner man to prosper. That's number one. See, so many people, they want the other part of that verse. They want, to pro they want to be in good health. They want, to be, they want to prosper financially, but let's forget about that soul prospering business. But can I tell you something? You're not going to prosper financially or physically unless you get your priorities straight. And first, you have to prosper in your soul, in your spirit. Come on, amen? It's amazing how many people want the blessing of the Lord in their life, but they never, they, they, they don't want to draw near to the Lord. They don't have a desire for the things of the Lord. But let me tell you, if you make this prior, if you get this right, if you get this, this in the right order and get this priority right and you make your spiritual and soul prosperity and spiritual growth number one and seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, can I tell you those other two, glory to God, are going to fall in place, amen? We're not, we're not to seek the, the, the health first or the finances first, but we've got to seek God and His kingdom and His righteousness and then and what? All these other things will be added to us. Amen? Praise God. So God wants you to grow spiritually. But God also does, if you're doing that, God's will is for you also. To, it, His will is to bless us physically as well. Do you believe that? Amen? He wants to bless us physically if we will believe Him and if we will trust Him to do so. I don't think it's just an automatic thing. I believe we have to exercise some faith there, but I, I really do believe that God wants you and I to trust Him with our physical bodies just as we do our souls and to believe Him and trust Him for healing and for health in our bodies. I believe that it is always the will of God to heal the sick. I find that in the Word of God. It may May not and, and 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 we don't want to we, we don't have time to get into all the, the 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 reasons why some people are healed and some people are not. I don't have all the answers to that, but I still believe. Listen, everybody's not saved either, but it's still the will of God for them to be saved. And I, I you know I, I I still believe that it's God's will to physically heal the sick. And uh, so, so any time that sickness comes around, any time that disease tries to come into our body, then what should you do? We should earnestly seek the Lord for our healing because that is the creditor coming to try to steal from us our health and our vitality that God wants us to have. What do we got to do? We got to, we've got to stand on the Word of God and, and don't allow him to take what belongs to you. Amen? 
I mean, the Lord made a promise a long, 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 long time ago, all the way back in the book of Exodus in the Old Testament, and made a covenant, a, a covenant with Israel there at those, those bitter waters we talked about last week. And he said, I am the Lord that healeth thee. Amen. I am, Je and that's a, the redemptive name is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth thee. So he made that promise way back there. And I'm going to tell you what, that promise that he made then is just as real today as it was back then. And Jesus Christ is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he ain't never changing. Come on, amen. He's still our healer today. So when the enemy comes against us to attack us and to take away from us uh, our health and our healing, we've got to t stand on the promise of God and believe God. But it's, it's His will for you to grow spiritually. It's His will for you to, to be well and to be healed. And it's also His will for every believer. Now listen to me. I'm not preaching the health and wealth, the gospel. Um, well, I guess in a way I am because it's in the Bible. Come on, somebody. Amen. <laughs> I mean, it's in the scripture. So, but, but, but it's, it's also the will of God, according to 3 John 2, for you to prosper financially. Amen. Do you believe that? I mean, it's not the will of the Lord for His children to be running around, you know, with, uh, with uh, holes in the shoes and, and, and not being able to make ends meet and, 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 and all that. I mean, he wants, to, he wants to bless you. I'm not talking about being wealthy. I'm not talking about being a millionaire or anything like that. I know there are those that teach that. But, but I am teaching you tonight, according to the Word of God, He wants to prosper you financially just as He does spiritually and physically. Amen. He wants to bless your life. He doesn't want us to be, to go around being broke and busted and disgusted and, and our needs not being met in our life. He wants to provide for you if you will just believe Him to provide for you. The Bible tells us back all the way back in Deuteronomy 28 He made that promise in the Word of God. He said, I'll bless you coming in. I'll bless you going out. If you will obey me, if you'll keep my commandments, if you'll do what I tell you to do. He told Israel, he said, I'll bless you coming in. I'll bless you going out. I'll bless your basket. I'll bless your storehouses. I'll make you the head, not the tail. You'll be above and not beneath. Amen. Somebody said, well, that was in the Old Testament. Well, then I can shout in. I can even shout more because under the New Testament, we've got a better covenant that's established on better promises. And if they could be blessed then, thank God we can be blessed now for Jesus Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us for it's written cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Amen? That the blessing of Abraham may come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. So my point is, it wasn't the will of the Lord for this widow woman to be in this situation and neither is it the will of God for you to allow the spiritual creditor to come in and to kill and to steal and to rob and to destroy your life in Jesus Christ. Amen. It's the will of the Lord to bless you. Don't let the enemy rob you of your blessing, of your inheritance. We've got to stand our ground and give Give no place to the devil. Amen? God's got a miracle with your name on it just like he did this little woman in 2 Kings chapter 4. So she comes. 
to the man of God and tells him the situation. And so Elisha says to her, what did he, what did he tell her? He said, well, what do you have in the house? What do you got in the house? And um, so he's asking her, do you have anything? And he, of course, he's talking, about, he's talking about her residence, her house where she's living. And he says, what do you have in the house? And uh, she said, well, I don't have anything but a little old jar of oil. I've got a little jar of oil is all I've got. But this question that Elisha asked this woman, I believe the Holy Spirit is directing us and asking us that tonight, that same question. What do you have in your house? Now, when I speak of the house, as I said, Elisha's talking to her about her residence where she lived. I'm not talking about the house that I live in on Washington Street or the house that you live in on whatever street you live in. But I'm talking about the question, what do you have in this house right here? Come on, somebody. Because this house, this body of yours is the house or the temple of the Holy Ghost. Do you understand? Now, I'm talking to you tonight. I believe everybody here is probably uh, saved. So if you're born again tonight, then your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen? The whole, oh, I tell you what, now this starts to get me excited. To, 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 we got we got to get our minds set on this, that the Holy Spirit, the, the Lord lives inside of this body. In our spirits, He's come to make His home or to make His residence inside of us. So you and I, according to 1 Corinthians 3.16, Paul said to the Corinthian church, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? So, you know, they had forgotten that or weren't aware of that. I want to remind you of that tonight. Do you not know that the Spirit of God dwells in you? You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So what this widow had in the house was what? He said, what is in your house? What did she have? Oil. Oh, come on. You're not with me tonight. She had a jar of oil. What is oil a type of? Oil is a type in the Bible of the Holy Spirit. Always a type. The anointing oil in the Old Testament that they put upon the priests and upon the, upon the, uh, the articles in the, in the temple and in the tabernacle. Oil was a type of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So, she, so, so this, is a, this is what he's saying. You, what do you have in the house? She said, I have a jar of oil. So what you have in your house, you got some oil in your house. You have the Holy Spirit in you. And so she said to Elisha, she said, well, I have nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Now notice how she said that. Now I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. Now, now, now notice how she said that. She said, I got nothing. Just a little jar of oil is all. A little bit of oil is all I have. She didn't think that she had much. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to quit until you all get with me. <laughs> she
She didn't think she had much. Amen? She said it, it, she, she said it like this, this small jar of oil that she had was such an insignificant thing. It really didn't, there wasn't anything she could do with it. There wasn't any help that it could give to her. That, that, it, that it was just, it was not very highly regarded. It wasn't enough to meet the need that she had. What was this little jar of oil in the face of these big creditors that had come to take her sons away? All I have is just a small little jar of oil. And she gave it, she gave it such little significance or attention. But in the same way, and see, that's just the way that you and I are. That's the way we are when it comes to the things of God, when it comes to the Holy Spirit. That's the way the Holy Spirit is regarded in most churches. That's the way the Holy Spirit is looked at in a lot of believers' lives with just such a, having such a little significance. Are you listening to me? See, most Christians will depend on or use everything else and never think about the little jar of oil that's on the inside of their temple, on the inside of their house. And that's what the Lord's trying to point us to. And what the Lord's trying to say to us is the same thing that he said to her. You may have creditors knocking at your door. You may have an enemy coming to try to steal and kill and destroy. But what do you have in the house? You've got a jar of oil on the inside of you that is more than enough. Don't ever think that it's insignificant because everything you need to give you victory, to overcome, to conquer the powers of darkness and to get rid of the spiritual creditor in your life is already in the house. The Holy Ghost is on the inside of you. Woo, hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah. Man, that, listen, the most important thing in our life is the most neglected thing in our life. And that's the Spirit of the Lord. How we neglect the Spirit of the Lord. The oil and the anointing of the Holy Ghost is what you and I need so desperately in our life. That's why I preach about the Holy Spirit so much and teach about it because we need the Holy Spirit in our life. So the thing that we need the most is the thing that many Christians seem to neglect in their life and, and, and seem, uh, they seem that it's, or think that it's so insignificant. But the Holy Spirit is our power. The Holy Spirit is our helper. The Holy Spirit is our life source. Are you with me? Amen? And, and the privilege that we have of His abiding presence in our life is of utmost importance. And so here's the point tonight. Don't neglect the oil of the Holy Spirit that's on the inside of you. We need to be conscious all the time of the presence of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit abiding in us and indwelling us. All the time. He is in there. He is there. Come on, amen. Hallelujah. We need Him. His abiding presence is of utmost importance. 
There's an old song we used to sing uh, years ago, you know, that says, uh, remember that old song about this? It's, a, it's an old church song about this particular story. It said, He will fill your hearts today with the, to overflowing. Bring your vessels, not a few, as the Lord commanded you. He will fill your heart today to overflowing with the Holy Ghost and fire. Hallelujah. How many need that today? More of the Holy Ghost and fire and power in our lives. Amen? Amen. But see, here's our problem. The problem of the believer is, 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 is found here in this text. Because Elisha specifically told her, okay, you've got this oil. What I want you to do is go and borrow from your neighbors, borrow some vessels, empty vessels. And he specified this, don't borrow just a few. Here's the problem that we have in the church today. Too few vessels. Now, I know you're thinking, well, what does that have to do with anything? Because, listen, when he told her, do not gather just a few, he was, ask, he, was, he was testing her faith and trying to get her to expect something big and great and large to take place in her life. So we see an element of expectancy here because he's telling her, don't borrow just a few. Get, get as many as you can. And see, here's the thing about faith. Faith always expects great things from the Lord. This could be a long sermon. I'm almost done, but we could really. Glory to God. <laughs> faith expects great things. And our lives, our lives as believers, should be, always be that of expectancy when it comes to the things of the Lord. Every single day of your life, of my life, we need to expect God to do big things and great things and mighty things and powerful things in our lives. Amen? That's what he, yeah, that's what he was trying to get her to see and to, to believe. That's why he told her, don't borrow just a few vessels. Get as many as you can. God's getting ready to do something big in your life. Get as many empty vessels as you can possibly get. Amen? Expect God to do big things, bountiful things, and give you and I bountiful, bountiful blessings in our life. Now, when you think about this, what if, what if she would have said, what if, what if this little widow woman would have said, well, you know what, listen, boys, call her two sons over there, said, don't, don't, don't worry about it, just go next door and just get what, what, what Sister Brown over there's got, just a just few pots, a few glasses, whatever. Don't worry about getting too awful many because, listen, there's not much oil in this jar and it's surely not going to go very far. I just can't see it going very far. So don't waste too much time getting too many, bless, too, too many vessels. Can you see what would what, what, what have happened if she would have had that attitude? Her expectancy would have been down here. Just get a few. That's why Elijah said, don't just get a few. Get as many. Expect something big. Expect something great. Expect something mighty. Amen? Amen. 
Hallelujah. When we ask God for something, stretch your faith out a little bit and ask Him for something big. Ask Him to do something big. I think probably that's why we don't receive more from the Lord than what we do in our life because we don't ask big enough and the Bible said that we have not because we ask not and our expectancy level is just not where it should be with the Lord. Amen. We need a greater expectancy tonight. Amen? So God's telling her to prepare for a big blessing. A big blessing. And I'm, when I was studying this, the Holy Spirit just kept prompting me to say this tonight. He put this in my spirit to tell everybody here on Wednesday night at Abundant Life Family Church to start expecting God to do something big. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Don't just be gathering a few vessels. Start believing God to do something big and something large in this church and in this ministry. God is getting ready to do something great. Hallelujah! Glory to God. The creditor may be at the door, spiritually speaking, and he may be there saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you out. I'm going to destroy the blessing in your life. But God said, oh, you've got in you and you've got within Abundant Life Family Church what you need to, everything you need within the power of the Holy Spirit to drive back those creditors, to drive back the powers of darkness. And tonight, if we will expect and believe and stand and expect God to do something big, I'm telling you what, Glory to God. He'll fill your heart today. He'll fill those empty vessels tonight. Glory to God. Amen. I do believe that. I believe that. Amen. We've got to raise our expectations and believe God for something big. Not just a meager, uh, just a meager depleted blessing. One of my favorite verses of scripture is Jeremiah 33, 3. And in Jeremiah 33, 3, he says, Call unto me and I will answer you. And I will show you what great and mighty things which you do not know. It's great things and mighty things that God wants to do in our life. He's always been the God of the overflow. He's always done more than, He always does more than enough. See, our vessels, our vessels need to be filled. Now, I, I, I've got to hurry. I've got to hurry. I've got to get done here. Our vessels have got to be like these vessels. He told her to bring into that house empty vessels, not a few. So the vessel you bring to the Lord, for Him to, if He's going to fill you, the vessel has to be empty. It has to be empty. She had to bring empty vessels. So our vessels have got to be empty. What do you mean, Brother Rick? Well, they've got to be empty of doubt. They've got to be emptied out of unbelief. They've got to be emptied out of jealousy. They've got to be emptied out of envy and strife and hatred and fear and all of those things that try to fill 
uh, try to fill up our vessel. Any sin whatsoever that would be in there, God can't fill the, the vessel that you have with the oil of His Spirit and power if it's full of a bunch of junk. Come on, somebody. So we've got to have an empty vessel that we bring to the, to the Lord. So it's then that we are ready for the Lord to fill the vessel and give us His full blessing. So she brings those empty vessels. And, and this is such a, such a picture of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. This miracle where she, she gets in that house and she shuts that door and they begin to pour this oil out of this small little jar of oil into all these vessels is a picture and a portrayal trail of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The blessing that, that took place on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out and those 120 were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke with other tongues and filled with the mighty power of God. See, listen to me, church. The greatest benefit of Calvary, the greatest benefit of Calvary to the believer. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm beside the atonement for all sin. We know that's a given. That at Calvary, the greatest thing that happened was all sin was atoned for, right? All of our sin was atoned for. But the greatest blessing beside the atoning of all sin that was purchased and provided at Calvary by the Lord Jesus Christ was that the Holy Spirit can fill us, can come into us, can dwell in the child of God. Amen? Somebody said it this way one time. Said that salvation is the greatest gift given to the world, but the precious Holy Ghost baptism is the greatest gift that is given to the church and to the body of Christ. When he poured out the oil of the Holy Ghost and filled our hearts to overflowing with the Spirit of God. Amen? Elisha told her, said, get, get that house full of those empty vessels and you and your sons come in and get in that house, and you shut the door behind you. What was he saying there? This, as I said, is a type of us being filled with the Holy Spirit. When he told her to shut that door, you know what he's saying? This, this, this outpouring of the Spirit, it's for believers only. Come on, somebody. You're shutting out the world because the baptism... Listen, salvation is for the world. The spirit of sonship of the Holy Spirit is for those who accept Christ. But the world cannot receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. You got to first be saved, first be born again. Praise God. The world is shut out of this blessing. They got to come in the house first. They got to be in the house first. They got to know Jesus first. Jesus said, I'm going to pray the Father and he will send you another comforter whom the world cannot receive and he will abide with you forever. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank God for the precious gift of the Holy Spirit. Come in there and shut the door. Jesus said on that great day of the feast, when he stood, he said to all of those that were there, he cried out in a loud voice on that last day, the great day of the Feast of Tabernacles. And Jesus said to them, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And out of his belly, out of his innermost being, shall flow rivers of living water. And this spake he of the Spirit, 
which they that believe on him should receive. The Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. But can I tell you that he has been glorified now? He has died. He has raised. He has ascended. He's at the right hand of the Father and he has sent back the precious gift of the Holy Spirit to fill the hearts of every born again believer to fill our hearts today to overflowing. Amen? Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, the world, the world and the majority of the church do not understand the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the power in that baptism. But praise God to those who are hungry and thirsty for God. We can have it. Bring me those empty vessels. She was pouring out the oil, filling one vessel after another. She was getting into this after a while. She just, can you imagine that? Bring this pot over here, filling. It's running over, filling. It's still got, it's still pouring out. It's still pouring out. And she filled all the vessels in the house and she told her boys, she said, bring me yet another vessel. And they said, there are no more. There are no more. And as soon as there was not another empty vessel to fill, the Bible said that the oil ceased to flow. It stayed. It stopped flowing. Does that tell us something? Does that say something to us? Yeah, as long as there are empty vessels, the oil of the Spirit will continue to flow. See, God will keep giving Himself as long as we bring to Him that into which He can pour the Holy Spirit. But we must provide Him with the vessel for Him to fill. Amen? We must have the desire. And that's the problem that I see within the church today is people are not willing to bring Him the empty vessel to fill them. There's not the desire there to be filled. Amen? But as long, oh, listen to me, as long as there's desire, as long as there's an empty vessel, as long as we will bring it to Him, He will keep pouring His Spirit out. Oh, there's got to be a desire for more and more of His Spirit. He cannot, He will not pour into us what we do not want and what we do not desire. We've got to come before Him. I do every single day. I come before Him and I bring to Him my life and I tell Him, Lord, here I am this morning. What I had yesterday is not going to do me today. Here's this empty vessel. And Lord, I'm asking you to fill this vessel with the power of your Holy Spirit. Fill me fresh and anew and overflow me with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You and I have got to present those empty vessels and be filled afresh and anew every single day of our life. It was when that Laodicean church said, we don't need anything else. We're rich. We're increased. We don't need anything else. That's when they were in trouble. And Jesus said, you don't know it, but your life is in a mess. You need more. We need more of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Miss Sandy, we don't come, come tonight. <clears throat> Worship team. Go sell the oil. When the oil stopped flowing, 
There wasn't any more vessels. And he said, go sell the oil. And I love that. He said, go and sell the oil and take the money that you get from it. Pay off your debt, your creditors. And then you and your sons live on the rest of it. Do you, do you, 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 can you see what the Lord did for her? The oil was the answer to all that she needed, to the problem that she had. The oil was the answer. And in our lives, the fullness and the power of the Holy Spirit will defeat the power of sin. It will enable us to live and enjoy all that the Lord has provided for us. And listen, God provided for this little widow woman. Not only did He pay off her debt, now this was, this was supernatural debt cancellation that He gave to her. He paid off her debt, but there was also enough left over for her and her sons to live on the rest of their lives. They had a built-in, God gave her just a built-in IRA right there. Amen. It was just enough for them to live on the rest of their life. Amen. See, he gave her double for her trouble. Now, you know what? I'm, as I close this, there are some, some commentators, Bible scholars, that say that this woman's husband was the prophet Obadiah, the Obadiah that hid the prophets in the cave from Jezebel. You remember under Elijah's ministry? Jezebel was hunting down all the prophets, and they say that, and the Bible says that Obadiah took them and hid them by fifties in the cave and, and took bread and water to those prophets to make sure they had plenty to eat and drink. And some, some theologians and some Bible teachers say that, that, was, that this woman's husband that was dead now was Obadiah and that he had taken care of these prophets and possibly even went in debt to have the money to buy the bread to get the food to make sure these prophets had plenty to eat. And so the point being is this, if that's the case, and it very well could be, I'm not saying it is or it isn't, but here's the thing. He had blessed other men of God. He had taken care of other men and their ministries when, when they were in need. And now here, after he's gone, his, his family's in need. But God doesn't leave them alone. God shows up and meets the need and pays off the debt. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. He pays off the debt and gives her double for her trouble. She slaps the money, hallelujah, that came from the oil in the hand of those creditors and said, get on out of here. You ain't getting my kids. Glory to God. Get on out of here. You ain't getting nothing I got. Praise God. And then she's got a bank account to live on for her and her sons, the rest of her life. I'm telling you, God, God does more than you can even ask or think or expect. That's why I'm saying, believe big, expect big. Hallelujah. Because God is a big God and He wants to do great and mighty things for you. And and for your life and for abundant life family church. Amen.
Let's stand tonight. Praise God.